0: This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Cavness. Hello, and welcome to the Cavness HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cavness. Our guest today is Todd Dean. Todd, are you ready to be great today? i'm ready todd dean is a montana native and natural deal maker who has been connecting people and businesses in the entrepreneurial investment community for years besides being a key partner at dean jones partners bringing a unique dimension to the firm with regards to access to investors and executives the world over mr dean is the founder of todd dean and company a global first full service consulting firm focused on the needs of early stage companies to large-scale enterprise clients including life coaching to CEO, growth capital, and advisory services for scaling. He is also the founder of Kurutsu Forum Northwest. Karutsu Forum is a global investment community of accredited private equity angel investors, venture capitalists, and corporate institutional investors. Karutsu Forum is a worldwide network of capital, resources, and deal flow with 52 chapters on three continents. During the past four years, Mr. Dean has focused much of his time to business education and financial literacy for young adults. He is an adjunct professor for the University of Washington Bothell School of Business. He Has also served on the board for the past, ten years, eight past eight years. Mr. Dean resides in the Sun Valley, Idaho, where he enjoys skiing, hiking, golfing, fly fishing. He also supports his son, who is a nationally recognized collegiate and U.S. All-American rugby player. Todd, thank you very much for being on our podcast today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Jason. So
0: what is Toddie working on right now? What's going on with your life right now?
1: You know, uh, I'm never lacking opportunities or deals to take a look at, that's for sure. Three deals i probably most pertinent to spending most of my time on is I'm creating a, a, working with a partner on creating a world-class wellness center in Sun Valley to focus in on brain health, addictions, mental health, and depression. So we're, that's one of my big projects right now. Second one is uh, we're acquiring a couple charter jet companies and then doing an acquisition of a third and creating a a private charter jet company that's national and international. And then the third project is a company that's involving debt financing, uh, triple B rated bonds, non-asset correlated uh, debt financing. So those are the three projects keeping me uh, awake at night.
0: So Todd, in the companies or the people you invest in, is there a common theme in those companies and all those people when you choose to invest in them?
1: You know, I don't know if there's anything common about any deal, but there's certainly characteristics that I look for. So as far as what I look for in deals or companies that I work with, about a third of my business is capital, a third of my business is what I call advisory services or consulting, a third is coaching the CEO. The final third, in my opinion, is, is the most important aspect of any opportunity that I work with. So I really believe with any company, you know, I just met with the company this morning an engineer, fantastic, cool company, technology company in the drone space. And he was really focused on, you know, the the coolness of what he's working on, which I got to tell you, it's very cool. That's not my concern. My concern is really, you know, the characteristics of this individual that I met with this morning, for example, and so what I look for is, you know, that the, the sales, the vision, the, the execution, I do not get excited about products or ideas today. I've, I've been doing this too long.
0: So sort of a follow up question. What characteristics, do you, what characteristics do you see in successful founders and what characteristics do you see in unsuccessful founders?
1: So I'll start with the unsuccessful founders because I've I've learned that one the hard way. The number one characteristic of unsuccessful CEOs and companies is when the CEO does not listen to the shareholders, the investors, or the team. And so what happens, and in short, that's just ego. I don't think it's their fault. Uh, In other words, I think that they're the decisions of, and the choices they make is, is far deeper than just running the company, and the psychology side of things. So I don't fault them, but I certainly know where to put boundaries. And, 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 I, and my radar for that is very, very good and very high. So when a CEO is not listening to the team or the, or the people around them, that's a problem. And so that's, that's, a, uh, that's a red flag or a stop sign, to, st- to say the least. Um, Ego is a big part of that. And I've worked with some of those people. Once in a while, these people get lucky and they make a lot of money, which again, not a higher power, but just, I believe in karma that it's, you know, money does not create happiness. The second question of what do I do I look for uh, in that CEO or those characteristics is, is really easy. A CEO that understands transparency, understands their strengths and weaknesses, both. Uh, what I would say is one of my favorite clients, uh, amongst many, is a CEO is the CEO's very coachable, very open. But at the end of the day, they're going to make their own decisions. Because as a CEO, you're getting inundated by opinions from everybody that think they know it the right way. But at the end of the day, it's the CEO's job to really make those decisions and calls with the board of directors as to the guidance of the direction of the company. So I found that that CEOs that treat treat their employees well, CEOs that value their customers, CEOs that listen, you know, by far, those are the CEOs that take companies to a whole new level.
0: Todd, as you said, you've been doing this for a little bit. How long does does it take to determine if this company or this founder or this team is going to maybe make it or they have no chance? You know, this
1: is probably my ego getting involved here, but I can pretty much narrow it down about 10, 20 minutes, whether or not I believe that this is a company that I want to have any dealings with or not. And I can really tell through a number of questions where that CEO's at. And what happens is, you know, most CEOs and entrepreneurs, they're afraid to share the downside or they're they're afraid to share their faults. They're afraid to share where the companies are really at. They're afraid to share the financial struggles and difficulties of raising money or the money they've spent and maybe misspent that money. And so those are really the areas that I look for. So it's not a matter of if the CEO is going to necessarily disclose that right away, but it's kind of that willingness of where that CEO is at as far as, you know, how transparent are they really willing to be? And the more less Transparent they are, or the more they cover up, quite frankly, the more that pulls me away from wanting to have any dealings with that CEO or company. So, in other
0: words, you're looking for a founder who pushes the information versus you having to pull it from them.
1: You know, I, I'd love to say that, but in reality, CEOs just don't want to do that. So, the thing is, is that, you know, CEOs, a CEO's biggest fear, and I don't care if it's a big company or small company, is that people will find out who they really are. And so, what I try to do is create that safe environment, which I do, saying, listen, there's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to surprise me, whether it's your, your mar- marital problems or your struggles with your addictions or, or you know, your family dynamics or your, your struggles with your, your board of directors. You know, it's not that I've heard it all, but there's nothing that surprises me today. So once I create that relationship with that CEO and they can truly open, then then I can really help them and quite frankly, not even myself, but also the, all the resources that myself and others can provide to that company. So that's really the opportunity is to work with the CEO where they're willing to be open and kind of go down that path where they're really able to share their struggles, but converse also share their their milestones too. So, because it's not all about faults, it's about accomplishments as well. And the CEO I met with this morning, I mean, again, phenomenal engineer and a very cool product. And has been able to achieve a tremendous amount on a fairly low budget with a very small team. So it's not always about just weaknesses. It's definitely about the strengths and positives of what that individual brings to the table as well.
0: Todd, can you talk about a deal that you didn't make, but then you wish you would have been in, in on the deal?
1: Well, I'll tell you a deal that I didn't get into that I wish I would have was Clarisonic? So David Giuliani, who started Sonicare Toothbrush, his first company was a huge with investors. And he, he literally took the same team and s- same idea, similar idea, and translated it from, from dental to facial vibration thing. And so he was able to sell that company. I think he sold it uh, L'Oreal, or I think it was L'Oreal. and uh, sold it for $500 million. All the investors made money, and and I didn't get in that deal. And I could have made a nice return on that. So.
0: That would have been nice. Yeah. Todd, how was the startup community in Sun Valley, Idaho? Is it a strong community? Is it getting started?
1: Well, I don't think you want to be an entrepreneur in Sun Valley. That's not necessarily the draw for, for uh, resources and, and demographics. It's certainly a great place to live. Uh, we do have a, a startup community called Kick Ketchum Innovation Center, uh, started by Neil Bradshaw. And it's a great incubator for startups in Sun Valley. But, you know, we're looking at 10,000 people in the whole, entire valley. So you're not talking a metropolitan area. What, what I am able to capitalize on personally is the relationships in Sun Valley so I work with literally some of the, the senior executives CEOs of the country and the wealthy the wealthy uh, which we you know we have dinner we golf together we hike together and at the end of the day it's about
0: relationship
1: so my professional life is largely outside of the Idaho state and Sun Valley community
0: Todd what's your philosophy on startups going and using like uh, accelerators or incubators
1: You know, I think when you're starting a company, you have several different paths you can go down. So you can do the Y Combinator, you can do the incubators, you can do the crowdfunding, you can do the angel route, you can do the VC route. So there's like several different paths that you can go down. The one thing I love about incubators is the synergy, the camaraderie, and the resources that you're able to provide everything from the coaching and guidance to the office facilities. And so, you know, I think it's a great concept. I it's not something that I'm necessarily involved with a lot because my path is a different path. I, I work with private investors and resources and we get involved in a deal, we, we fund it and build it ourselves or with that team. I think that the Y Combinator and other tech stars, many of those are wonderful resources to company. But again, they're very selective about what companies. So it's kind of like a lotto where a lottery where only a handful of pe- uh, companies will get in. Um, so I'm certainly supportive of that model.
0: Todd, next, can you talk a little about um, Girls Giving Back and how you support that, that program? So Girls Giving Back,
1: I'm not so much involved with that organization anymore, but... Girls Giving Back is an organization that helps mothers and needy women primarily that are going through a transition in their life, whether it's an abusive situation or a divorce or they're low income. And so the, the resources that are provided are provided from the community, similar to like a Goodwill where we provide the, the housing, we provide the bedding, the pots, the pans, and the resources to help these single mothers support, you know, these children. And so it's not something I've been directly involved with uh, for the last, probably the last couple of years. I've been involved with some other organizations, Montana ambassadors I'm very involved with, as well as some other uh,
0: not for profits. Todd, next, talk about you a time you were successful in the past. What you learned from the success and what we can learn from the success you had in the past.
1: So before I answer that, Teresa Valley is the woman that runs Girls Giving Back. But I want to put that plug in for Teresa <laughs> because she's done an outstanding job with that. Okay, so the question was my the strengths of my life and the weaknesses. Is that correct?
0: Uh, we'll, we'll talk about a success you had and how we can learn from the success you had.
1: You know, this is a good success. I was in my earlier mid-20s and I was selling life insurance. And so everything we did was scripted. And so, you know, if you stayed on script, you had certain ratios of sales and basically one out of three. And so we had to set our own phone appointments. And I think I was like 22, 23 years old. And we had to sit down and make the appointments. We worked with labor unions, credit unions association, and the company's called American Income Life. And I hated to sit down and make phone calls and read the script. And so I, I would do this, you know, and I, I might set like, for example, and again, it it's been a number of years, but I might set, you know, like five to 10 appointments on the weekend. Well, the problem is when you set five to 10 appointments, you're driving into these various communities around the state of Washington. And if you only have 10 appointments, you know, you're going to have two or three that don't show up or, or cancel. You're going to have, you know, you know, you end up with four to five appointments. Well, you're not going to sell, you know, you might get lucky and sell one of those four or five. It's not not enough to make money. And so so I thought, well, I'm going to hire someone. I'm going to hire someone. So then I hired a phone setter. I thought, oh, that's the answer. And so I hired this woman to to set my appointments. And she did a worse job than I did. So now I'm paid for someone to set less appointments and losing money. And so finally, I just, I just started you know, having the discipline to sit down and make these calls. And so I made calls on Fridays and either Monday and Tuesday or Monday, Wednesday nights. And instead of my five to 10 appointments on a weekend, I booked 25 to 35 appointments on a weekend. And so what happened was, is I ended up selling a lot and I, I, mean, I ended up making a lot of money. And so I, I ended up doing something I hated to do hated to do. I hated to set phone appointments to the point where I actually really enjoyed it. And then I became very good at it. And then once I set my appointments and I went out and did the work and then the the income certainly followed. And, you know, I've been out of that industry for um, 18 years and I still get a check every month. So it it pays to do the things we don't want to do.
0: That's a good lesson right there. Todd, next talk about the time you failed, what you learned from this and what we can learn from this failure of yours in the past.
1: You know, uh, this is a good failure. So Kiritsu Forum was by far one of my greatest ventures. And, and certainly I worked hard, several awards from it. I started Kiritsu Forum in 2005 with partner Nathan McDonald. Uh, Nathan is very much an operations back end, one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life. I was the front end. I was working with the people, the investors, you know, working with the CEOs of the companies. And we were a very good tag team. We came to a point in our relationship where we ended up parting ways, so I ended up buying him out. And then in 2009, I think it was, is when the economy started turning. And, you know, we were a very kind of high-end, how we presented and worked with our investors. It was a very high-touch organization. And so because I had our meetings at the nicest places, you know, we had an event in Sun Valley every summer, and I didn't hold back on expenses. And so I did not foresee the economy lasting as long as it did from 2009, 2010, and into 2011. And so because that, as a CEO of my own organization, I didn't make changes quick enough to adjust for the economy. And so in 2010, I was losing money every month. And at the end of 2010, I had a choice to either close the organization down or or do something different. So My previous partner and I worked something out, which ended up being very favorable on both sides. But the point was, is that I didn't adjust accordingly based on the economy as quickly as I could. And because of that, there's financial repercussions for that.
0: That was a hard lesson. Todd, can you talk about someone who has helped you in the past and how they helped you?
1: I've I've been fortunate to have several wonderful mentors in my life and... um, I'll key in on Bernard Rappaport, who was—I'll uh, go back to my insurance days. Uh, I sold life insurance for for ten years, uh, and this again—it was in my 20s—and this is, happens to be the same company that I just referred to earlier. And I was working out of town, and we made all our money on bonuses. Excuse me, we made the huge money on on the bonuses, uh, monthly and quarterly bonuses. And it was a quarterly bonus that I was working for. And I was working out of town. I hit the numbers, came back in, turned my paperwork in on, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I was a day late on on turning in for this bonus. And so I missed it based on the time frame. So I had a wonderful manager at the time, Joe Shanks, and Joe said, "Well, let's let's talk to Bernard, the CEO of the company." So we called him up. He was out of Waco, Texas, and I talked to Bernard Rappaport. And Bernard said, "Well, you know, clearly you hit the numbers for ma- meeting this quarterly bonus." He goes, "And you know, it's not a matter of money whether we can afford to pay you." He goes, "But you missed the deadline." And Bernard says, "You know," he goes, "As much as I empathize with the amount of work that you put into." take your quarterly bonus. He goes, the problem is if I bend here on the rules and pay you your bonus, bonus. he goes, where do I stop bending on my end? And so it was a really good lesson in life about boundaries. And, you know, the older I get, you know, I, I try and obey speed limit. You know, I try to obey, you know, making sure paying parking tickets on time. You know, I try and obey the laws because those are boundaries. And so often or not, you know, we as individuals, and even speaking for myself, you know, we want to bend those rules to, to our own likings. And, you know, rules and boundaries are set down for a reason. So so I've just learned to respect boundaries as I get older in my relationships, uh, in my work, my employees, with my clients, and set boundaries for myself to protect me, but also uh, protect others as well.
0: Yes, Todd. Todd, on, a, on an average year, but how many uh, deals do you, ask, do you look at and what percentage of those do you, do you uh, invest in? Like, do you look at 100 deals a year and invest in 1% or how does that work for you on an average year?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I typically work with about three to five companies at any given time. And so, for example, the deals that I'm working on right now, one of them I'm working on for two years, uh, the aviation deal coming up on two years, the bonds deal, the team has been working on this for years. I've only been involved for the last few months and I'll, I'll be involved in this deal for probably for a prolonged period of time. The Wellness Center, Sun Valley, that will be a very much time intensive deal. And that will probably take me a couple of years at least. And so, So I don't work with a lot of companies anymore. Historically, I used to work with about so I get about I get about two to ten companies a day that inquiry into me, and that's either through LinkedIn or email or phone call or text or referral or whatever it is. I don't have the time to look at those companies. So typically, if I'm involved in a company, it's someone that I know that says, "Hey, you know, I want you to look at this. I'm involved in it. I'd like you to be involved in it. Let, let's work on this together." So I'm not real as accessible as I used to be. And so I probably work with probably five to 15 deals a year.
0: I'm sure that keeps you busy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it does. Cause I mean, I don't work with as so much early stage stuff anymore. Just quite frankly, I don't have the time and energy or the risk tolerance, but I still love startups. They're still my passion. So I still, you know, if a company needs some help and some guidance, I'm always happy to take a phone call and or take an email and review their stuff. And, and, you know, I'm happy to review that, but I just don't have the cycles or the time to spend a lot of time with them and or invest in them. Uh, the opportunities I work with are uh, on a different scale, but I certainly, my heart still goes out to all the entrepreneurs.
0: Yes. Todd, can you recommend a book for our listeners?
1: I'm a big fan of John C. Maxwell. In seven trades, seven trades. John Gladwell, I'm a big fan of. Uh, John C. Maxwell, you know, I, The World is Flat. There's just so many great books out there. I don't know, I think you can go wrong with John C. Maxwell.
0: Yes. Todd, I want you have something for our listeners today.
1: You know, yeah. So any listener, you know, as an entrepreneur, we live in a, in a day and age where there's a tremendous amount of resources and education. And then the question is, you know, where do you turn? Where do you look for? that information so for our listeners today what I've offered is I'm happy to review your company and give you some feedback So I hope we don't get inundated by 200,000 listeners because that would be a problem. But, you know, let's hope that, you know, a handful of entrepreneurs out there, if you have some questions specifically that can help you with or some guidance, whether it's your capital structure, whether it's your go-to-market strategy, whether it's, you know, questions about company in general, uh, board of directors, um, I'm happy to review your company and, and... I'm happy to set up a phone call or email respond to your inquiry.
0: Todd, can you provide us some social media platforms to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. It's probably the best from a resource standpoint. LinkedIn is kind of my professional stuff uh, for Dean Jones and company, uh, my Todd Dean and company. And as Facebook, I'm a very social, that's kind of my personal, which you're happy to connect with me on Facebook, Facebook as well. That's a little bit more entertaining, I would say. Uh, so a little bit more lighthearted. So either one of those is probably the best resources. Uh, my email is todd at todddean.com. And my website is just todddean.com. Uh, either one of those, you can get a hold of me.
0: Todd, so we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide any last minute advice or wisdom for our listeners?
1: So I'm working on this wellness center and I met with a woman that said she wanted to create a wellness center. And she was like, you stole my idea, and, and I think okay. The difference between an entrepreneur and one that's not is someone that executes. So everybody has an idea, everybody has a concept, and so the question isn't whether or not you, you know, you're an entrepreneur. The difference between an entrepreneur and one that's not is someone that actually goes out and makes it happen. And so if you have that dream, you have that idea. You're working for a corporation, or you're young guy, young man or woman. Out of college, and you, and you really want to pursue avenue, you know just do it. And, and here's what I can promise you: regardless whether you're successful or whether you fail, you'll still be successful by doing it. And so that's my words of advice today.:
0: That's great advice, Todd. That's a very good way to put it. And for our listeners, all the links to the show notes will be included in our show notes. Todd, thank you very much for taking the time to do this podcast. I know you're a busy person. I really appreciate it. You gave a lot of wisdom and value to our listeners. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Katniss HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KatnissHR.com or connect to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Katniss HR or Jason Katniss HR on Snapchat. Thanks again, and be great every day.